1: Oh, Queeros, Cameron here. I have missed you so much. I want to thank you for your patience. We had a very unusual situation happen where um, our network went through some stuff and and we were trying to figure out what to do with the show. And we are so glad to be back here on Earwolf, which is a network that I've been a guest on for years on shows like Comedy Bang Bang. Um, But it's so wonderful to actually be a part of the... Earwolf family. Earwolf also has a couple other really great queer shows. So they have a great show called Throwing Shade, uh, which is hosted by some two pals of mine. Um, They have another great show called Homophilia. So what I really love about Queery coming to Earwolf is that there's kind of a whole section of shows that don't cover the same topics and are dissimilar, but this but you might want to listen to. So I I'm, I'm very excited about that. And I'm also really excited about this episode of Query. I had a chance to talk to Lena Waithe who uh, recently won an Emmy for writing um on the show Master of None. Lena was the first black woman to ever win a writing Emmy for comedy, I think. I can't remember if it's across the board or if it's just for comedy. Um but either way, a huge and and momentous Change for Hollywood. Since then, Lena has also debuted um, her own show on Showtime called The Shy, which is about Chicago, and has a bunch of other stuff in the works. This is a, somebody who's hyper motivated. Been in LA for a long time. Um, really involved with a lot of projects, and is like a, on the masculine side of presenting woman of color um, who's openly queer. So this is very exciting for our entire community. Just that Lena exists, and I was pleased as hell that she was willing to come to my house and sit down and talk to me about her life. So please enjoy this episode with Lena Waithe, and welcome back, Queeros. Welcome back.
2: you're at my house yes I am yeah it's a beautiful house oh thank you so much yeah with awesome ice cubes yeah we've got like Uh
1: primo ice cubes uh because you invest in the small things
2: that make you feel like a fancy person yo man it's priceless (laughs) like you can't put a price tag on things that make you feel good that's right
1: that's totally right on on the show I always have guests introduce
2: themselves okay so would you introduce yourself um my name is Lena Waith. um and, uh, yeah, I'm on a TV show. I wrote a TV show. The TV show I'm on is called Master of None. The show I created is called The Shy, which will be on Showtime January 7th. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, yeah, I'm just a black gay girl out in the world. And I feel like, I
1: just know this about you because I'm, like, good at being a queer person. Mm-hmm. But it feels like you've had a huge couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I also know that you have been working in this industry for a really long time. Yeah. Because those two things that you've mentioned, Master of None and The Shy, Mm -hmm. like that all feels like it's like, oh, this person has been working for three years in the industry. It's crazy.
2: (laughs) But can you talk to me about like how you... Or when you started? Well, yeah. Well, I went to school for this. I went to Columbia College in Chicago. uh, I know Columbia. Yeah, it's great. And I went there all four years, studied writing and producing and television. Um, And I did this thing called Semester in LA that they offer where you can come out to Los Angeles and like go to a class on a lot and like write spec scripts and do all these things and do all these exercises. And so I was a part of that. I did the semester in LA and it's literally like, like, it's like it's six to 12 weeks or something like that. I can't remember, but you're just out here doing your thing. And so that was really my foundation of being in Los Angeles. And I went back and got my diploma and then came right back out here and just started pa and turning. And that was, that was back in 2006 when I graduated. How, so I've been out here ever since how did you know so I'm from Chicago also mm-hmm.
1: cool. and um, like I have no idea how the fuck you would know that t- television exists even as an industry because like right. the way I experienced it as a kid I love TV mm-hmm. but Me it was too. very much like made by people I had no connection to like right. I didn't even think it was made by people I'm right. just like no, this yeah.
2: arrives on your screen I think, I think I didn't know that either for those first few years and then I kind of realized that I was like obsessed with it and really wanted to learn how to do it and that's when Columbia College sort of came up on my radar about a, a school that was in my own backyard that really was about media and art and uh, you know you could major in poetry there and I was like oh well I'm, that's more my lane like because I got into DePaul as well and, and I got to college, go, so it was like either I can go the straight and narrow route or I can kind of go the road less traveled and so I went with the latter and, and it was just great I was around a lot of these artists and really cool professors but the big thing that the professor said They were like You have to move to either New York or Los Angeles And if you want to like write television I really want to write Half hour multicam stuff Which is obviously very much Los Angeles So they were like You got to move out there If you really want to take it seriously And I think I was resisting that a little bit And then finally I was like All right I'll do the semester in LA And that really changed my Perspective because I had actually been out here and I could like see it and I could see the opportunities. And so I just started hitting the ground running, just a lot of crawling, a lot of pay at one's dues before I could like stand up and walk a mile on two feet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I hear that. I also think, yeah. I mean, my experience coming from Chicago is that I just had no context for LA. Like I thought it was yeah, a, like I never like, been here. One giant convertible. I don't yeah. know. I just, I don't know what I thought it was. I, like
2: yeah, I, all the beach. I, yeah. I, I had no nothing to, you know, reference. I had no family out here. I mean, it was, and I definitely do not come from a showbiz family at all. So it really was just sort of me out here swinging. And that's why I think it is, I feel such a sense of gratitude that I've been able to, you know, have the career that I've had and, you know, I'm continuing to build and have the friendships and relationships that I have because it's really all built off of like grit and just me hustling and me just being really dedicated to my craft. I think that's the thing that, you know, people, that's the first thing they kind of experience when they see me. They see me as a character. They, they hear about a TV show I've written. And then, you know, they get to know me as a person. And if they like that, too, then that's sort of icing on the cake. But it's really just a matter of just pure hustle and grit and uh, but really honing my craft. And I think that's the thing that people, I believe, really respect about me and my brand. And I want to continue to do that.
1: I love that you are so positive also about like who you are and what you're doing. Cause I think,
2: yeah. I think that's really important. It's I mean, important. You know, well, one visibility alone is is super important. Yeah. Um, you know, being out, but I think t- particularly as a person of color, I'm aware of how even more significant it is for me to be as public as I am. Cause I've never d- thought I would be an actor. I'll be honest. Like that was not a part of my plan, but when it sort of came about organically and I was really pushing sort of the the public's eye, I, I I realized how important my presence was in the culture because there are so many people like me that look like me that don't ever see themselves and that's something that I, I guess I should have known because I'm a part of that community, but I didn't realize how much people were longing for. And I never thought I would be a poster child for the sort of like queer woman Brown community. Um, But, you know, look, I'm also very specific. I'm a soft stud slash masculine presenting black woman. So that's a whole group of, 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 women like that exists. I mean, I see them on Instagram, Like a lot of them, I don't know. And I didn't kick it with a lot of them. I don't have a ton of like lesbian friends, but like I see them, but I've, I'm friendly with them now because they hit me on social media and they're like, oh, yo, you know, but I would have felt completely... That's a weird thing for me because I never felt like I had a place in my... Community, my sort of gay community because I wasn't super, super butch. I just wasn't. That's just like not my lane. But I wasn't, definitely not femme. So I was somewhere in the middle and that kind of left me on the outs in a weird way. Um, and I sort of didn't know where to fit in. And my demo was like straight women and gay men because I act more like a gay man than I do, I guess, quote unquote, a lesbian. And um, and straight women are just sort of fascinated by me. So <laughs> that was sort of like my crew, which it, which really does make up my crew. I'm friends with a lot of gay black men and a lot of like straight... <laughs> (laughs) black women and um but then funny enough when I my character was out there in the world and people kind of got to know me, then a lot of these lesbians started popping up like, oh, you're dope or you represent for me, whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, dope. So now we kind of like have like a lot of pen pals um, from like on DM and Twitter and things like that, which I really appreciate because I feel like right. that's my community. Um, but it was definitely an interesting road because I'd be at clubs and I'm like, I don't fit in here. Like, I don't drink. I don't have that many tattoos. Like, I was just like, I don't know where I stand. Um, well, but, we're also like yeah. a
1: similar-ish, we're, we're a similar age. Um-hmm. And so like that, also means that, well, for me anyway, like when I was trying to figure out who I was and where mm-hmm. I fit, the internet wasn't yet, it was like right. really just being built. Yeah. So there wasn't an opportunity to like find people that might be more in a gray area or like right. just anybody that no, you're, you're like, right. oh, there's a whole
2: different. All you, know, you saw was you, was you went out. That's all you exactly. saw. Exactly. And you had, then yeah.
1: also, especially coming from, I mean, like a city like Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious as to what your experience like. Where you even where you were even going because Chicago is also such a racially yeah, 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 segregated, segregated city.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we would go to Boystown, but again, that's more for like the guys. Obviously, I mean, hence the nickname, right? I mean, I'm trying to think. There was. Uh, yeah. Now I can't remember the names, of but my, I did have like my first like gay friend, uh, Armand, gay black boy. Uh, but like he would take me to certain places, but it just was never my jam. It's mm-hmm. just, but even like now, like I, I don't know if it's my. It's funny because when I came out here, I would do truck stop, which I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. Now uh, they may have like a ladies' night. Is. I don't know. Okay. It was a thing that used to. It was like right next door to the Abbey. Mm. Um. Crap and I don't know It's maybe called something now That's a weird thing too It's like you know WeHo It's like The club's names are changing And it's been so long Since I've been down there So who knows What's going on now But, um, but I just kind of felt like There were they, And they do They have these sort of nights You know And because there are there are different categories in within our community. Yes, and and I kind of feel like in Chicago you don't have as many options. You have like you know it's like the guys eight, five, four or five four days of the week, and then one night it's the girls. But then I felt like the girls. Particularly out here too It would be like couples Couples would come out And you would see The masculine chick With the feminine chick Or you see two Masculine chicks together Or two lipstick chicks together It was very like Those were the two categories And I was like I don't really know Where I fit And um, and even my own experience Now in my relationship I'm with a woman Who identified as straight Before we were a couple You know And now I think She sort of doesn't like labels Period Because she's like I don't really know Where I fit um, So it's, And she and I met Out here You know Organically You know In the workspace and we ended up having drinks and really falling in love very quickly. But... That's the thing. I never really kind of bought into, okay, here are the rules or here's how I'm supposed to date or here's who I should be going after. But even like now, like I don't, like the club space is just not my thing. Cause, yeah, because I'm an artist, I think as well, because I'm a person where if I'm out, I want to talk to somebody about, like, what you think of call me by your name? Like, or, you know, Debbie Reed Ta-Nehisi Tone- Tone- Coates' latest book. Like, those are, that's who I am as a person. So I don't know if I'm having that conversation at a club, you know, with a drink in my hand. I
1: think part of what you're talking about is also been. Well, so like for instance, in Chicago, you're you're right. It's like so, Boys Town. Like you and I could go there, sure. And but it's not. We're we're literally not in the name of the place. No. And then no, also, yeah. we would have really different experiences. Very
2: true because yeah. of our skin color. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then like Andersonville is a place where like there are a ton of white people that have oh. like m- maybe fucked up queer haircuts Uh but there aren't a ton of brown people or black people and then like i i think that some of this there's a younger generation than us Uh that is like having a very different experience absolutely it's a little
2: more mixed up now a little
1: more mixed up a little less like alcohol centered like i'm seeing events that maybe would speak more to the like oh this is like a conversation or like an art show or like just like some gender fuckage coffee shop night. Right, and right. that is cool because I really didn't feel like I had that either. I mean, I guess like maybe I went to dance a couple times in my youth, but I really feel like, because I'm a standup comic, mm. part of like what I was doing mm. in standup was like, <laughs> like creating a show that I could go to like literally, mm, but yeah. unfortunately then you hit a point where you're like, oh, I actually am performing at this show. Right. Which is what you're talking about also like taking on this mantle. So it's like now you have yeah. this importance in the community. Yeah. Which is cool, but it also doesn't, you're not like mingling in the community because now you're like this like figurehead person.
2: Well, 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 yeah. And it's interesting because I still, and this is a thing that I don't know, I could be not accurate. This may not be right, but I do feel like there is a real community on social media of like black people, lesbian girls who dress like me. There's, like, sort of a soft sort of, like, masculine presenting, masculine presenting, as I like to say, group of women. And the thing is, like, a lot of them, it's just very funny. Like, I didn't see them post about the Thanksgiving episode. Like, I didn't see them be like, oh, Lena's our part. You know what I mean? There's an interesting thing where, for, like, I think the white community or just, like, other black queer people, like, gay, you know, um, black men. talks. About, it's like, I rarely you know, see a lot of that community saying like, oh yeah, we see her or we know her. Or that's our leader. I think because a lot of them are very much like, you know, well, we are our own community because a lot of them have like fan bases. Some of them like, you know, have like, the, it's sort of like these sort of, um, they're like, a, they are like sort of a sub group. And I see them, I follow a lot of them on, on social media, but, and I'm not asking them to make me that person, but it's interesting because I don't think that they sort of needed someone like me because they sort of exist themselves in their own communities in a, in a in a weird way we're like not in a weird way but i mean like in a way that is 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 not needing hollywood to validate dude that's actually really cool yeah, it's interesting because like they they like they're, I see they like they have like web series that they are part of. They do like shoot like there's like this show called The Les Factor. There's um you know this this rapper Temper. There's this person like Carter the Body. She's like a um she's an exotic dancer. Like I know that person. Yeah, is. yeah. It's like they but it's like they you won't see them posting about. Me now, mind you, some of them like I, we follow each other. Saya, who's also a um, queer uh, rapper, super dope. Um, I got to meet Young and May, but it's like they kind of a Young and May sort of, I think, a little different, but they really do have their own thing, like you know. And I just try to be supportive, like some of them, like there's a group called, have a clothing line called Stuzo Clothing that like I just rocked for you know, really dope clothes. I always try to support queer. Brown people who have any kind of business, like I always try to support it. Sheila Rashid, who does clothes as well, um, so it's like I just try to support the community as much as possible and rep uh, for them as much as I can um, because you know I feel like we are a unique little f- family. You know, we are we have like things in common, but but it's true. Like I don't know if they're always like, oh yeah, Lena's the, our our poster children because they're their own poster children hmm. in their community.
1: So, like, does it feel weird then to have? Uh, people that, so the people that did lose their mind about the Thanksgiving episode. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like, I mean, I loved it. Thank you. And I post about it for like similar reasons of wanting to like connect with the community, but Mm -hmm. obviously like we're not exactly the same person. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, how does that feel?
2: It It feels amazing. Like to people that come up to me, you know, a lot of straight white guys come up and say, I love that episode. You know, uh, which I think is very interesting. And I think that's when art is sort of doing his job because I couldn't be more different from that person. But they're seeing some of themselves in me or in that experience, which is not their experience. But the whole mission is to be as specific as I possibly can, which I really was. I was very vulnerable and like kept it all the way one hundred what my experience was. So that way, even though I was really specific, it it sort of created this sort of universal thing about everyone's almost feels like it feels like an outsider in their family when they go home for Thanksgiving. Whether you're gay, whether you're different, whether whatever it is. And um and that was really interesting. But what meant the most was when queer people, particularly queer people of color, came up and were like, Yo, you finally told like a story that like I can relate to or that's what happened to me. And I mean like Asian people, Latina people, um, you know, Indian people, like I mean, it ran the gamut and they were like, even though your story was about being black, they're like, That was my thing. You know, I'm Latina or I'm Asian American or, or things like that. And that really meant a lot because I feel like we don't often get our stories told. Um, even in the in the gay experience. I mean, there's no shade to these shows, but like, Queer as Folk Looking The L Word Those are still shows That are very much about Here's the gay experience From a white perspective You know um, And I think Look It's no shade to them Like they doing What they're doing They writing what they know But it's still It's already You're already a part Of a sub community And now you're being Left out of A show that You know And somebody could point to Oh there's that Light-skinned black dude on looking Or what about Tasha In the final season Of The L Word It's like Yeah they throw us a bone Here and there But it's like I'm still fighting To get a show On the air That has a queer Person of color As the fucking protagonist That is still something We don't have and I, Male or female And I think For all the love That we've got On Thanksgiving Or all the progress That has been made Where's that at? You know Still I asked my last night About The Bachelor When are we going to have A gay bachelor On ABC Male or female when are we going to have a person of color bachelor? And I don't even watch the bachelor like that, but I know how important it is to the culture and for us to be left out of it. And yeah, we had a black bachelorette, great. But to me, like, that ain't nothing. Like, a, a, to me, show me a black male choosing between women. But then it's, I was like, what kind of connotation would that have? Will people be offended? Would they be pissed? You know, because how many how many white women would be, would be lined up asking for a rose from a brother? So it's like, yeah, we've made some progress But I, I think about little things like that Where I'm like, we still got a long way to go And even, um, I was at dinner with friends last night And I mentioned it And my friend was like, that's never going to happen He's like, you're never going to have like a black guy bachelor." And I go, but just listen to what you said We can have a black president But we can't have a black bachelor because again, yeah. think about it. It's like it's think about how that's real. People don't think about that. We, even the fact that we don't have a show of all the TV, all the 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 different ways in which one's can have. It's like a million channels, a streaming services. There's no show with a gay male or female person of color or any of those things in the lead role. Yes, that is huge. It's, it's crazy. So I'm fighting to get it done. You know, on my end, I'm trying to get 20s made. You know, and that's been a journey. You know, I'm, I'm feeling good and hopeful that we can get it, get it up. Um, but I want that to be the first of many. I'm not trying to be. You know, I don't. I don't need to be. I don't want to be that revolutionary. But if I get that show made, it'll be the first of its fucking kind. So it's like, but it's always it's a weird thing of like, oh, well, look at Lena, like pushing the needle forward. But I'm not even, try, I'm just trying to, tell the, if I'm writing the pilot about, you know, like my life, that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to look like.
1: Yes. I, yes. You know, what is so wild is I had a, I had a conversation with like a, because also what you're saying is so normal mm-hmm. and I had a conversation with an executive Like whatever, right? Like we're like a meeting was going like sort of, and I don't mean to like, I'm sorry to the people that are listening to this podcast is going to sound very, but like, I thought the meeting was going very well. Mm -hmm. And then this person said, um, to me, so are you interested in your work always being political? Mm. And literally what I was talking about was writing from my perspective Mm
2: -hmm. as a queer person. Right.
1: So. I mean, number one, I'm totally comfortable being political. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm, yeah. a, you know, I'm a stand-up comic. It right. turns out, like, if you're a straight white dude and you're a political stand-up comic, you're just called a stand-up comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't talking... I was literally just talking about my own life. Right, right. And um, so what you're talking about, the, like, how normal it is to want to write a story about your own life. I mean, I think sometimes be- for anybody that maybe doesn't have a close connection to the entertainment industry that's literally what everybody is doing uh-huh. every person is even like something that seems really fantastical uh-huh. is coming from like a nugget of an idea that the creator of that show or that the writer of that script had based on something that happened in their
2: life. Absolutely. Or sort of a thinly veiled version of their experiences. Like yes. you look at Insecure, like that's a version of Issa Rae's experiences. You look at uh Atlanta, that's Donald Glover. That's where him and his brother are from. That's their city. That's where they, you know, that's what they know and they know the people of that city in a real way. And so that's where that's where that sort of nugget was born out of. Look at Master of None. That's a lot of Aziz's stuff, you know. With being you know first generation and like you know trying to be an actor and, and being you know um, be having a diverse group of friends all that stuff is his life. If you ask me to write a half hour about my life, the lead girl is gonna be queer. She's gonna have two straight female friends who are actresses and all these different things, and she's gonna be chasing after straight girls and all these and all those things that like one does in their twenties living in Los Angeles. Like so. That's why I, I'm just still trying to get the opportunity to have to have my own thing, my own show, and it's like and, and why is my life experience any less valid than the people I just named There's only one difference between us
1: yeah i mean it's it's very interesting to like both want to i mean I, I can tell just even in this conversation that you're like comfortable with the idea of moving the needle as you said like mm-hmm. you're, you're not or with the idea of that you're not like upset about that, but no. also the the idea that like you would have to inherently do that. There's no yeah. way where you make that show, and it gets to not be political. And
2: and that's also great and fine. But like, but but I do think there's an element of, for me, normalizing it because I yeah. don't, in my life, you know, I'm not walking around like, oh, like I'm a gay black girl. Hi guys, you know, sort <laughs> of, of like I'm just living my life and doing my thing. And and um, I do think it looks a little unique or foreign from the outside because they're like, oh, well, that's not my experience. But it's because it's mine. It's it's very normal. You know what I mean? It's 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 like there's nothing odd or, or revolutionary about it uh, but I'm aware because there aren't a ton of people like me in the culture uh, then it becomes revolutionary and yeah. and that's the thing that you kind of have to embrace and not be annoyed by because it is what it is you know your first is a first and so but my mission is I think once with, with, with you have one then others I think will sort of follow suit and feel more comfortable to be themselves and to to be out because there's still a lot of closeted black folks in the industry
1: well, another thing that, like, you're just doing by being on screen, something mm-hmm. like that. So, like, the clothes that you wear in the Thanksgiving episode, mm-hmm. or, like, if you're on a red carpet, are just, like, mm-hmm. cl- I, you know, again, I can tell just looking at you today or, like, mm-hmm. on screen, it's, like, you seem totally comfortable in those clothes. You're, right. you're not, like, um, introducing the idea that there could be, like, a queer female character that, like, has braids and wears a hat. Right. Like, Like, it's actually just, like, what is going on for you yeah and i think that's also something that i'm excited to to hopefully see change like as different creators get like not just behind the camera but also in front of the camera Mm -hmm. like just seeing different types of people it looks it just looks different if i'm wearing like a like i wear i wear like men's button-down shirts i don't wear women's button-down shirts like that's just what feels good to me so yeah If I'm on TV, I'm wearing menswear. Yeah. And like, that's because that feels totally right on my body. Yeah. But like, it still is
2: just casually
1: changing the norm. In terms of what people are used to seeing.
2: Yeah. And I think for a long time, I think still there's some women who are queer who try to dress more feminine when they go to fancy events. And I think a big thing for me is like, no, like... I mean, look at Jaden Smith When he pops up to stuff Like, he is as comfortable as can be And so he's sort of a bit of a style icon for me Where I go like, you know what? I'm going to be on my Jaden Smith Like, I'm going to wear some, like, loud pants Like a a concert tee, you know, a jean jacket You know, whatever And so it's like, because, you know what? That's comfortable And I think we have to redefine what it means You know, with these events It's like, of what one is supposed to wear And so, but again, it's like I'm, again, realizing now for the first time You know, that I'm, you know, a rarity I'm not like everyone else. And, but I do think um, like Katie Lang was definitely really big about, you know, that kind of stuff back in the day. You know, um, Wanda Sykes, you know, I don't really see her wearing dresses. She definitely sort of, but, she, but she's not as masculine presenting, I think as some, but, um, you know, I love that RuPaul sort of swishes it up. He'll he'll be in a suit, maybe he'll be in drag depending on his mood uh, or, or the event. But I kind of really feel like we have to just sort of be, you know ourselves and be comfortable at at, at these events or whatever it, whatever it is.
1: It's, it really makes me excited because what you're talking about with with Jaden I think is a really good connection and like not that there are two sexes or genders. Obviously, it's like this huge spectrum. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that like <clears throat> for um, for like women. The even the clothes that have been on the more like masculine side mm-hmm. have been it's like a it's like a women's tuxedo right you know which is like cut differently and right. emphasizes the waist and emphasizes right. the bust right right versus like what I see you wearing mm-hmm. um, yeah which is just a really different thing yeah and it's it's a, it's actually really exciting to me to mm-hmm. and you are right like it's not. You know, absolutely. Katie, we could find a zillion, you know, not a zillion. We could find like five yeah, other yeah. examples. But it's still fucking cool no, it's amazing. to be getting to this place where you're
2: just like wearing a tux. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to continue to wear. I'm wearing one of the Globes. Hey, thanks. I yeah. stuck <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, what else would you wear? Right. You're going to look fancy. You're going to wear a tux. Come on, man. <laughs> it's like, you know, but I just, got, I just realized like, I just got to be myself like unapologetically like all the time as a way one because that's just comfortable and makes sense for me but also it's about showing others who you know might be more tempted to wear something a little bit more feminine because they're like you know I'm a queer but I want to it's like no man wear what makes you feel comfortable wear what what makes you you because I see it I see it out there sometimes I'm going like you don't want to be in that dress you don't want to be wearing that makeup but it's like okay that's what you feel like you got to do did you have to like work up to that no I mean I genuinely have always worn like, you know, I, when I go to Zara or whatever, when my friend, when my friend was styling me, Tiffany, my, my stylist name is Tiffany and I have another friend of mine, Tiffany Johnson, who would style me because she's just very stylish. But yeah, we go to Zara men's department and we like figure it out and, um, and then make it work. And, uh, yeah, that's just sort of always what I've done. Like since you were a kid, even. Well, yeah, I was always a tomboy, but when I had to dress up as a kid, my mom was putting a dress on me, but like, but as an adult, like, oh nah, man, it's always like, you know, a pantsuit and all that kind of stuff. Like, Do
1: you remember when you made that, like when the moment is that you had to make that choice for yourself?
2: Um, I think living in Los Angeles, you know, going to events or, or certain things, like I was always like, okay, let's, uh, let's figure this out. Let's, let's, let's wear what is cool and fly, but I'm also comfortable in, um, And also, too, and then sometimes a big thing for me when I do photo shoots, uh, we always get the opportunity, like, do you you want glam? Do you not? A lot of times I try not to do glam. I try to say, like, well, no, we can just, like, have my face, like, naked and, like, as I would be. Depending on what it is, maybe we'll do some makeup, not too crazy. But, again, that's the thing as well, sort of, like, defining what, you know, a woman is supposed to look like or, you know, in a photo shoot and things like that. It's like... I don't always have to be like made up, you know. It's like I'll just have my plain face, you know, and in, in my masculine clothes, and, and just be there in a magazine for someone to see.
1: And then again, like the makeup decision—is that something that you had to be comfortable? I mean, or no, it's more just about, like a thing that you—it's feel more fine than for with?
2: me. Like I don't walk around the world with makeup, so if I'm doing a photo shoot that I feel like it's a certain publication that you know is not like Vogue or you know. Uh, something super fancy, like like New York just did it yesterday, and like I didn't have any makeup. Well, I had like a little a light light makeup, you know what I'm saying? So it's like
1: so that you look like, like a human that is alive. alive right. <laughs> you have to wear the level of alive but makeup.
2: That's yeah. it. That's <laughs> it, man. Like my lovely makeup artist Rebecca, like <laughs> she's like you know she is always short and sweet. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I I I think it's. I mean, it's funny because some of this stuff I like figured out right prior to moving here. I've only been mm. here for five years. Okay, And um, like just even just trying to figure out, like that's actually, that's my wedding photo right there. Oh, uh, that no, beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And like, of course I'm wearing a jacket. Sure. Like yeah. it makes perfect sense for me, Uh huh. but for some reason, right like prior. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I feel comfy in makeup. Cool. It actually feels okay to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like a, it makes me feel like David Bowie. I can't I explain it. why it doesn't feel feminine to me. No, like yeah. when I wear makeup, I don't feel, it doesn't feel feminine. It just feels like. Oh, like, like a, like a like artistic. A, yeah. Like a draggy yeah. art yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I'm, I'm, it feels cool to me. No, um, it. but also like right prior to that, I like panicked at the last minute. Oh wow. And was like, do I need to be wearing a dress? I have no idea wow. where this came from. Like some. You know conversation that I had had with myself when I was like two and a half years old or whatever mm. it sneak it can in my for me, I mm-hmm. find that sometimes like uh, what's been put on us, what's been put on me mm-hmm. will will pop up, yeah, at like when I least expect it
2: that's interesting that's really brave, yeah to to admit that because it's like. That's the thing. It's about, about gender and, and, and social norms, you know, uh, sort of always grappling with it and wondering. For me, because I think I am so masculine presenting, like a dress is not even cross, like I don't own any, like, you know. I don't own any dresses. Yeah, I mean. I, even, I know.
1: I was like going like, should I wear a dress? And then I was literally like, where would, where do you get a dress? Like, right. <laughs> like
2: I, it's like, I don't even It's not like this any, was some plan that would have so. made sense. It's so interesting, um, yeah. That's it's, 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 but those are days you do wonder, like, well, what should one wear? Like, what should I be in? Or what is the, what what do I think I should be wearing? It's
1: or like, like the shame that is just like that could be removed from just being yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the idea that we could just feel this way and not have it be like a challenging thing that pops up for you
2: yeah exactly but it's you know it's i I think for me i i don't know i guess i was just so like removed from it Like i'm just myself and i'm glad i can live in a kind of space like like los angeles and like like the industry that i'm in which is very you know it is pretty welcoming i think to the queer community um I just because there's so many of us <laughs> a part of the industry, um, but yeah, I, I just never feel like oh I need to conform. Or if I'm ever in a position or feel that way, I immediately will pipe up. Yeah, that's rad. Mm-hmm. It's Good important. It's important to like to to voice because I think um, even with with well, my publicist and my team are really great, but I always. Make it super clear. Although, but that's the thing too. I don't even have to make it clear anymore because I feel like if I'm going to do a photo shoot, these folks know who mm-hmm. I am or how I present. So I I don't, but I don't find myself fighting saying, hey, no dresses or no this or whatever. Um, you know, I don't have to do that, mm-hmm. which is, great. I'm, that happy is to, great. I'm happy to live in a time where I don't. I'm, just I'm still like, trying to work on photographers telling me to smile. It's like, that's the thing. I feel like that's a new weird thing I've picked up where I'm like, I don't think, no, anyone should tell a woman to smile even for a picture yeah so also like sp- guys yeah. don't have to do I, I think it's a, it's a weird I don't think people really pick up on it mm-hmm. but that might be a new thing I might tell my publicist to tell the people like, no, saying, like don't no, do. her she, she feels like a, to smile she will mm-hmm. not like it's a weird, still a weird thing about women with photo shoots like they'll say hey can, you, can I get a smile yeah and then it's gonna go along with a piece that's about like your strength <laughs> I don't it's know. Like, she's it, like so strong I and mean, like in control and it's like a and, big smile. And it might be nitpicky but I just kind of feel like a smile is something you do by choice. I don't think it's nitpicky. Yeah.
1: I think that probably every reaction that someone would have to somebody taking their picture asking them to do something right. for a picture oh, yeah. is probably like okay, probably fair. You know? Yeah, I mean you yeah. can still do it but if you're having a reaction to it it's probably like from a place of like yeah. honesty because it's kind of an invasive I mean it can be fun, but it also is totally weird. To yeah,
2: try so to present yourself. And you also wonder if it's a weird request to tell the photographer, like, don't tell her to smile. I don't know. That that's a weird email exchange. But,
1: but. can I ask if, because like sometimes something I find myself doing sometimes is managing, like, like giving a shit about being difficult is also something women only have to that's worry true. about. Like that's just true. saying, like. <laughs> like people ask me to smile because I'm a woman. If I ask them to not ask me that, is that too difficult? And I think that because I'm a woman. Like, yeah. how many layers can we possibly
2: go down? But think about all the pictures of like, you know, famous men. You see. yeah, they don't they don't smile. Well, that's what I'm saying because it's like because they're doing like a strength they're thing, doing, and yeah. we don't
1: necessarily associate strength with like smiling. That's just like in our
2: culture. You're not yeah. like
1: mug. You're not like mugging if you're trying to
2: seem cool or Yeah. I might be a tweet. Whatever. I might tweet that out today. Don't ask me that's smile.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to go well. Yeah. I think that's I think that's gonna, I think Jeez. you're going to have a
2: uh, no. Who knows? We'll see how it's received.
1: We'll see I if want, I do it. I want
2: to hear about The Shy. Yeah. yeah, man. The Shy. The Shy is uh available right now to watch on Showtime anytime uh for a limited time only. Uh people have been tweeting about it, which is really exciting. But yeah, man, it's about being black and human on the South Side of Chicago. And I keep it at that because I think anything else would be trite, you know, to explain like, you know, the different storylines or whatever. But it really is about humanizing black people in Chicago, particularly the South Side, because that's where I'm from. But uh, but that's what I felt like was needed. I want to just tell very simple yet complex stories about life. You know, it's it's not about the system it's not about the cops it's about the people that make up the community and when people tune in that's that's what they'll get they'll get real life stories um not real like not, they're not always based on real things but you know based on some of the stories that i'm aware of that i know that i'm familiar with um it's not autobiographical that's sort of a, been miswritten uh, or misquoted or whatever but um but it's really just about the people and uh and that's what i wanted to Tell, tell a story about, not make us look perfect, but not make us look like, you know, monsters, but we're yeah. stuff like we're somewhere in the middle.
1: I mean, I feel like for people that aren't from Chicago, I would love to hear mm-hmm. like a little bit about, well, I mean, I guess I'll talk about what I know growing up as a mm-hmm. white person in Chicago yeah. is that like I had very little awareness as a kid mm-hmm. of what was going on on the South side. Right. Like, I, I mean, when I say what was going on, I mean like literally Anything about like who might live there, mm-hmm. what jobs might be like, what like, like, like what the streets were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just mean, I know all the streets on the north side of Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I head could head name, so, name so, yeah. them now, you know. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Chicago's. I mean, it's the, thirdest, the third biggest city in the country, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize. Right. That, like, cause it's in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience being on the coast is sometimes people do not realize how many people live there and also yeah. that it is
2: one of the most segregated cities in the country very segregated so yeah. like you I grew up, up in an all black neighborhood yeah I mean I grew up only seeing black people so uh, yeah hundred percent yeah, yeah.
1: hundred hundred i mean i only i went to University of chicago very briefly okay uh for a graduate degree that I did not complete <laughs> <laughs> all good. fair enough uh I used to ride my bike from the north side to the south side oh wow okay. which was like one of my first experiences. And then I also used to do shows when I lived in Chicago and was doing stand-up in Bronzeville, Mm -hmm. which was also one of my first times, like, regularly going to the South Side. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So, like, you grew up, no white people around. Yeah, yeah. Your experience of Chicago is really underrepresented. Right. Like, I don't even think we think about Chicago as, like, again, when I moved, I moved to Boston for college, people would, I remember one of the first people that I met, I was like, I'm from Chicago. They were like, so that's like cows and farms and stuff. And oh, I was wow. like, wait, what?
2: <laughs> like no, yeah. it's like That's so interesting. Yeah, there are different pockets, you know, it's it's interesting because it's a city but it's made up of different neighborhoods. That's what it was. it's a series of neighborhoods really. Um, so and that's where what I grew up in Well it's a, technically I, It's interesting Because Chance and I Are from a similar area I never knew the name of it But he, it's called Chatham And I think that's sort of I think the area What's technically what it's called But grew up on 79th Street Off the Dan Ryan um, For people that know Chicago Will kind of get that Um, Then I also spent time In Evanston And then now my mother lives Near the Loop downtown Which mm-hmm. is where I lived For a little while too Um, So I kind of did A little bit of a, a tour So as I got older I got to experience Other sides of it But as a kid Like I was on this one block and um, and yeah, I grew up in the same house that my mother grew up in and um, the kids I played with were the children of you know, the kids that she grew up, my mother grew up with. So it was very much this like real familial type of community that I also think people don't see about Chicago is that there are communities there that people take care of each other. People look out for each other. Um, there's a real, there's a real sense of community there that I think pe- that is sort of lost in translation when people hear about stories or, or, or news or statistics and things like that coming out of the city. So I think that was something I really want to infuse and to show that we're all connected um, and uh, particularly black folks in the city. Like we just, there's a knowing that we all have no matter what part i mean some say, oh yeah i'm from west side i'm south side whatever you have that slight slight difference but we all we, there's a common thread amongst all of us
1: yeah i love that that specificity of the multiple generations because i think that's true for a lot of different communities mm-hmm. because it is so geographically isolated like there isn't yeah. another and that's on
2: purpose yeah mm-hmm.
1: and there isn't But there also, like, there isn't, like, another big city you would move to. It's, like, Chicago's, like, the final stop versus, like, if you grew up on the East Coast, everything's—there are big cities a drivable distance from Uh you, uh and that's just not true for Chicago. So, like, my family is a multiple-generation Chicago family, too, where, like, my grandparents grew up in Little Italy Hmm. on Taylor Street and, like— gotcha have that whole thing going on well, so we were
2: part of the great migration because my grandmother is from arkansas mm-hmm. she obviously left the south to, to go to chicago for a better life and all that kind of stuff so she uh married my grandfather they moved to chicago and we've sort of stayed put ever since <laughs> and your mom
1: lives near the loop
2: now yeah she yeah she she's still there my, a lot of my family's still in chicago um i obviously i moved out here but you know they all they sort of just stayed put which is, that's the thing about Chicago. I think it is such a great city and it's such a great place to to live that you don't, I mean, obviously it took me a while to, to leave.
1: It really is like a, it's like a final stop. Yeah, man. It really feels that way. I had a hard time leaving myself because, I, Yeah. and then also there's like this idea, I think, because it, it's a city that also kind of like loves itself. And so mm-hmm. people yeah, be like, you do not need to leave here. No. Like I'm amazed that you got the information from Columbia that you should leave here. That's that's great that yeah, they gave you that information. I have never heard that from like another place, organization or person in Chicago. Just the professors. Everybody is mad that you're leaving.
2: Just the professors. They were like, you got some talent, go.
1: And Chance <laughs> is not helping us out either. Well, Chance lives there now. <laughs> I know.
2: I know, but I, yeah, we'll see if he'll, you know. Well, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I mean,
1: I think it's rad what he's... I just mean this one particular issue of like being like, Oh, I'm doing it all from Chicago. And I'm like, is, dude, man. this is what everybody.
2: <laughs> I was, I, I I, went and kicked it with him. Uh, when I was there uh, last week and uh, I went to the studio, he played some music for us. Uh, myself and common went down. It was very Chicago. Jeremiah was there as well. Cause obviously Jeremiah and chance to work on this, this uh, Christmas album. Uh, but it was just like, it's, it, it I love it. I love, mm-hmm. I love that. And, if, because again, he does music, so you can do that from anywhere. You can do that from anywhere. And so for me, it was like they kind of kicked me out. They're like, "No, you got to go." But it was happy. I was happy to make a show about the city, which was kind of nice. Because then I got, to, I feel, still feel connected to it. But you again, guys that, shot it
1: there. I haven't, yeah, I haven't absolutely. seen it yet, and absolutely. I'm very excited
2: to, yeah.
1: watch it. You shot it there. How long were you in the city to work on it? Oh man, about
2: three months. About. That must have felt cool as hell. Well, that's the fucking was, dream. Tough thing was I always had to go back and forth because our writer's room was up at the same time. So for me, I was really adamant about being in the writer's room. Wow. Um, but I was I would obviously go, you know, when I could to Chicago. I was for the pilot, another episode I wrote, and then the finale. That sounds like a busy couple weeks. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's rad, though. To me, I feel like like coming here, getting the industry, and mm-hmm. going back, that's... Yeah, I'm really happy that you were able to do that.
2: Yeah, no, it was you know, I'm grateful to Showtime everybody involved. They there was never any question about us filming it there. Mm-hmm. It was great. And I mean, yeah.
1: I feel like it's now big enough
2: that you you. I'm sure you probably use some local crew and stuff like that. Oh yeah, 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 local crew, local actors. Um, yeah, and they shoot a lot there now. So those folks they, know there's a bad. lot. I know. Yeah.
1: Ugh, rad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. Dude, I'm I'm so proud of you that you've achieved
2: <laughs> the ability to bring stuff back home. That's the goal, man. That's Isn't the it? goal. It really is.
1: Yeah. So what so tell me what you want to do next.
2: Um the next thing I want to do is get 20s up, you know, um, on the air. So stay tuned. We're working toward it. We're feeling good. We're, we're worth the network now. Um but it's just, that's my baby. I wrote that before I wrote The Shy. Um, so these are two scripts that have been in my heart and my soul for a long time. So I'm happy that people are gonna get to see The Shy. They're getting to see The Shy now, um, but they'll get to see that show next year. And my mission is to make sure they get to see 20s as well, which is another part of me and part of my voice. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the the next big thing really is a uh, Ready Player One, which comes out at the end of March, uh, which is the new Steven Spielberg film, which I'm excited to be a part of. I can't say who I play in it, but I can say I'm in it, and I'm. I'm it's what it was one of the like best experiences of my life working with Steven Spielberg and Ty Sheridan and Olivia Cook. I mean, it's a phenomenal cast, and it's like one of those like big crazy movies so I'm excited to be a part of it so I want to ask you like sort of how you're keeping it together right now because I think that
1: for anybody that's listening um I mean from an outside perspective Mm -hmm. it seems like your career has gone into like a whole different zone in the Mm -hmm. last year Mm -hmm. would you say that that is true (laughs) where you're you're uh you have a ton more eyeballs on you Mm -hmm. which I'm assuming is like a gift but also has some stress and pressure
2: attached to it so like what are you doing to keep yourself sane and well, I think a big thing for me is here's it and it's I always look at this Whitney Houston quote which is a great one. She always says somebody said has fame changed you. And she's like fame doesn't change you. Uh, the it, it changes the people around you. And I think that's really true. It's like I remain I keep doing the same stuff, you know. I you know, I make my lovely, you know, fiance a priority. I oh, I didn't realize That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you so much. We're excited trying to catch up to you. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We, you know, I just make her a priority, you know, and I I try to stay in a space of constant state of gratitude and in a constant state of prayer. That's the thing. It's like, and also in a constant state of, you know, uh, humility.
1: But even just um, being
2: like so busy,
1: like what are you able to do to like calm yourself down so you can even sleep at night?
2: Um, I think a big thing is like watching... This sounds weird, but like watching TV shows that I like, watching movies, like that is, is that's the calm, but it's also a form of inspiration. Mm. Um, because that's the big thing is I try to make time where I don't have to do anything although that's become a little bit more difficult but my assistants you know Raquel Kendra really hold me down in terms of making sure they schedule time for friends as well like you know and I, I always tell my friends I'm not I'm not being Hollywood if I say hey I'm going to have them schedule a lunch or a dinner it's because I treat that like with the same amount of importance as I do my career it's like I got to make time to have dinner with friends or a lunch with a friend or, or catching up with someone that stuff I'd have them scheduled too, you know, because that is just as significant as a meeting or a table read. Yeah, I like putting the same weight on that. That's cool.
1: Yeah. And then also having it almost go in the same category. So it doesn't feel like you could cancel on one thing, but not nah, another. Nah, I don't, that's, you know. That's I, smart.
2: You know, it's, it's important, you know, for it to be on the calendar because you have to you have to schedule those things or else you look up and go, oh, I haven't seen my friends in a year. So for me, it's, it's really important. Um, but yeah, man, I think a big thing is it's just finding time for myself, uh, which is it does become difficult. Because, but but I do think you have to sometimes do blackout days, which which, which I've done this year, um, which kind of starts tomorrow. Uh, because if you don't. Like, people will go, okay, you want to do this photo shoot? When this, this person has to do this thing, you'll kind of get caught up in it. And that's why even for me now, I'll ask, I'm like, is this really important? Is it really significant? And I'll ask my with like, my publicist or my agent. They'll have to explain to me, like, this is why we think it's important. This is why we think this thing is significant. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm like, can we lift it off where I can have time to write? Or time just to, like, not do anything and, like, watch a movie? Because that's true. If I have a free moment to myself, I am. I'm, like, watching a screener or I'm, like, watching better things or something, you know, uh, because – that calms me down, but it also makes me go, oh, okay, That's, that was really good. That was a good episode of a thing or that was a really good movie. Or, I like that the way they turn that phrase because I'm, I'm always a student as well. Even when I'm relaxing, I'm studying. Uh, I can't help that because if people ask me, like, what do you do for fun? What are your hobbies? I'm like, uh, go to the movies, <laughs> watch TV because I love it so much. It's, you know, it's weird. It's almost like asking Michael Jordan, what are you doing your day off? Oh, i go play basketball because it's like, it's not a job. It's, 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 it's a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, of course. I've been I've been enjoying going to see people play music lately because it's like it doesn't because if I go see I can't go see stand up stand up yeah it's the it's I, like the I enjoy stand up it's I, like the I, worst I punishment that you could ever do for a comic is be like <laughs> go to watch a comedy show <laughs> like the, that's terrible yeah but uh like adjacent something adjacent where I'm watching somebody do their art but I'm but it's not putting me in my head has been really I, helpful I, I love seeing a lot of music too yeah um I am gonna ask so so fiance's that's really exciting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We haven't posted on social media yet. I will. I got to do it. I got to pick a picture and put put it up. Um, but I mean, we got engaged on Thanksgiving while we were in Tokyo. Um, it's crazy. And um, and it was beautiful. It was she knew it was coming. She didn't know when. So I wasn't nervous about whether or not she was going to say yes or no. I was more nervous about her liking the ring, which she did, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, it was a beautiful sort of a beautiful chapter to walk into. Um, At the end of this year, especially because it's been a busy one and a monumental one. And for me, that's the greatest accomplishment is really getting engaged. And I know some people may go, well, yeah, but you did all these things. But she is my legacy. So I'm really, you know, just grateful to have her in my life. And, and that's the thing that keeps me sort of like centered and grounded. Do you it. have any thoughts about what you were looking forward to about marriage? You know what? Um, more growth. You know, us continue to grow into each other, you know, and with each other, um, and supporting the other. Uh, and just, you know, experiencing life as a real unit. We are a unit now, but being, you know, an official one, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And also continuing to witness her life, you know, and her witnessing mind. That's what I really think marriage is. Uh and um and just continuing to show each other ourselves and in a real way yeah. that makes us you know improve things about ourselves uh and heal old wounds you know that's to me what a healthy relationship is it's one that brings up old stuff so you can heal things that you didn't have a chance to in your childhood oh my gosh do you want some thoughts from the other side sure Always. everything you said is dead on
1: i mean i my so we're only we just celebrated our 2 year anniversary okay. last week cool. of being married yeah, and yeah. uh I think you're totally right. I mean, it's, like, so hard. It is so much harder than I thought yeah. it would be Yeah, because of all the stuff that you're saying. Uh-huh. Like, you you are—to me, it did—I mean, some of this sounds, like, really traditional and, and like, something that I was surprised by because uh-huh. of how, you know— I didn't go into it thinking I was trying to set up a traditional marriage for yeah. myself, but I just feel like the operating as a unit— uh-huh trying to like really prioritize a whole other person's Mm -hmm. full self Mm -hmm, all the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i felt like i was doing that when we were together Mm -hmm. um but it is like at a different place
2: yeah and you have to speak up for you know what you need you know we do our partners do and we have to really honor what they ask for
1: which seems like,
2: like it like seems simple, it seems like this
1: most simple sentence in the world. It, it is no, this morning, such. This morning,
2: Alana was like, well, you we're taking a week off, right? And I was like, well, I do have to write. And I and I, I agreed to do this thing with a friend. She was like, no, you're, that's your reneging on what you said. And I was like, those are two things. She's like, nope, you got to So I was like, all right. So I was like, the thing I said I was going to agree to on Friday, I'll take that off. And I was like, I'll write before you wake up. So she's like, okay. So I was like, you just got to do it. Yep. And I'm a person, like, I like to deal with it, like, in that moment. And so she was like, no, it's okay, whatever. And I was like, no, 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 let's deal with it. And she's like, well, you're going back on your word. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to do that. So we figured it out. And I think that's a big thing, too, is, like, the ego, you got to fucking get rid of it. Because the ego is the problem. Like, you know, you being like, well, no, I'm not wrong. And, you know, it's okay. But it's you have to say, okay, I was messed up. My bad. I'll fix that. And I think there's this misconception that that means you're a pushover or like you're whipped or whatever it's like no sometimes you gotta own it as long as the other person's doing it too if you're the only person always saying oh my bad I'm (laughs) sorry then maybe you know but if you both can own up and go oh my bad I shouldn't have done that and just keep it pushing. That's the hardest because everybody wants to have an excuse or a follow-up or a but. And it's just like, no, sometimes you're just wrong. It's like, I'm going to fix that and, and you know, don't do it again.
1: I mean, it's that's exactly right. I will say, it's also like, God, it's hard to have somebody around to see you mess up. Mm-hmm. It's also really awesome, like you're talking about witnessing, somebody witnessing the coolest thing about like finding a partner is mm-hmm. that there's going to be somebody who's going to see all the stuff, like all oh, the good yeah. stuff, which is, and they're going to know how hard you work to get it. Right. It's not just that they're like there at the moment that it happens. They know the whole thing. So yes. that's incredible. But then they also know like how you are fully the worst. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they know yeah. all of your stuff Yeah, and um, it's big. It's really yeah. exciting. And I got
2: to hold, you know, somebody hold you accountable.
1: Yep. Which is really important. It is important. It's important, especially for for like you right now and you're yeah. in this moment, I'm yeah. really happy that you have somebody that is going to keep you in oh, that yeah. spot. Cause I feel like,
2: no, she don't play. <laughs> ah, that's at good all, at all. And you know, for people who are, you know, are still looking for that relationship or to that person, it's like, hold yourself accountable, you know, yep. you find somebody, you know, that will do it as well. Cause that's the thing. It's like good you, friends. You can be can also do just that. as great. Yeah, a village chosen family, mm-hmm. family, Um, you know, Because there is that thing of like, I know what that was like when you're still trying to find that thing or that person. It's like, you got to be so centered in yourself. And then someone who is also centered in a way will come find you.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, okay. That's beautiful. And we can even just, that could be, those could be the words. Yeah. So before uh, I let you head off into the rest of your day, Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you would would share a quiro, which is like just somebody that, or it could be a place Mm. or a piece of art that made you feel confident to be the strong person you are
2: today um you know I'm, i'll give a shout and i'm talking about this movie a lot lately um but it's one that i hold near and dear uh but it's the paris is burning you know that oh my god that doc is like you know the bible you know for half the stuff we say half the things we do it's a big part of like shape shaping my personality um the amount of strength and all the people that are in that doc uh you know and a lot of people don't know this but like a straight white woman, like is the documentary behind it. Uh, And so, you know, I think it's a very interesting thing of her really being a voyeur, but also being very respectful of the community and kind of saying, I'm going to capture this because it's important and it's beautiful. And this is amazing. And it's a, it's obviously that happened before my time, but I'm happy that they kind of found their own language and created their own culture and it's one that's really permeated through the decades and the years, long after they've been gone. Because, you know, no shade to the Kardashian clan, but like like eighty percent of their slang is like, whether they know it or not, oh yeah, it was birthed by you know these queer brown people in New York, you know, back in the day. And I hear sometimes like straight black dudes say shade, or they be like no shade or whatever. And I and I don't know, I'm like, this is so interesting that you don't even you're not aware. That you're using slang from, you know, a, a phenomenal, you know, queen like from back in the day, or, or a drag queen, or just like a gay black boy, you know, like they create they invented it. They invented a culture and people use it like just every day and don't even realize it. And for us, it's a it's a it's a real sense of identity, you know, and helping to shape my identity and being really proud of who I am because of that documentary. And I can watch it any day of the week. It's so human. It's so beautiful. It's so honest. It's so raw. Uh, and it just paints a really beautiful picture of who we are um, and what we can be and how we create something out of nothing and and make it fabulous. And, wh- I mean,
1: one of the most amazing parts about that that documentary is that, like, like i'm so glad that it exists because we can never say right. like that we just got here that the community just got here or that like the yeah. community didn't used to include people of color yeah. or like that the community didn't used to rely on uh-huh. it's you know it's each other in itself i just feel like or like trans folks are new like uh-huh. i just i feel like that that movie maybe more than anything else is a is a great thing to let you question like Who's been included, mm-hmm. and who's been written about, and who's been captured? Um, f- whose stories have been captured for for the queer community in general?
2: Yeah, and just for me to know their names, you know, which I always try to speak, you know, like you know, R. P. Dorian, you know, Willie Ninja, uh, Venus Extravaganza, uh, you know, these, you know, Octavia, like they just were, you know, Peppa they're just heroes. They they really are. They they were revolutionaries. They were pioneers, and they didn't really get their due, you know. But they gave each other their due. They, I don't know if the world did. Ninja Willie Ninja really kind of went out there and like made a name for himself. But I feel like every single person in that movie is a hero. And um and I just try to you know they're always gonna be legendary children, and I always try to remember them and speak their names because they really did create the blueprint. They really did.
1: Lena, thank you so much for coming over here today. Thank you for To my house me. and taking time. Of course. You rule. I'm going to be in your corner supporting everything that you do. Ditto. Awesome. Ditto. Rad.
2: Hey, everyone. Scott Ackerman here.
1: Uh, are you a fan of the podcast... You talking you 2 to me? Well, I hope you are. If you are, make sure to check out Adam Scott and I have a new show, Are You Talking R.E.M. re me. That's right. It's a brand new show with a brand new title. Join us as we discuss the music and impact of the band R.E.M. through an album-by-album album analysis. That sounds very nerdy, but it's actually
2: fun. We break down everything and nothing about the band. Listen to the limited series Are You Talking
0: R.E.M. re me. Wednesdays on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Earwolf.com. This is good rock and roll Uh, music!
1: This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris
0: Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com.
1: This is Tony
2: Rodriguez.
0: This is Carlos Santos. This is Raisa Licea. And this is Oscar Montoya. When our powers combine, we are Spanish Aqui Presents. We have a brand new podcast here on Earwolf, bringing you the best of the best of lo mejor of the Latinx comedy. Join us every Tuesday as we chat about what's going on in our lives, Latinx culture, and que lo que? Lo que no está picando. Lo que te pica! Don't worry, we'll tell you what that means if you listen. We'll also be joined by a new guest every single week. We'll get to know a little bit more about their lives. Every single week. Uh-huh. And then we'll make them sit back and
1: watch us improvise their lives right back to them.
0: Improvisation. Improvisation. <laughs> Spanish Aki Presents premieres July 16th. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Spanish Aki Presents! Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because...